Hello, and welcome to the Female Founder Friday podcast with me, Lindsay White. I'm passionate about helping female entrepreneurs be great leaders, build high-performing teams, and create inspiring workplace cultures through innovative talent programs and practices. Because when people feel like they belong at work, they deliver their very best and businesses thrive. The Female Founder Friday podcast is all about connecting with the most incredible female entrepreneurs to talk about their journey to creating their own business, the mistakes they've made along the way, and how they view their own leadership. And I'm challenging all of my guests this season to take my leadership style quiz, and during each episode, we'll be digging into their leadership style and how it impacts the way they lead in their life and their business. And if you're interested in learning more about your leadership style and want some of my top tips to help you lead more effectively, you can take the quiz right now. Just check out the show notes or head over to highvoltageleadership.ca and click on the button at the top of the page that says, take the quiz. Then you can share your results, connect with my guests and join the conversation on Instagram by following me at High Volt Leadership. A guest on this week's episode is April Porter, the founder of a business with a super cool name, Ask April Porter. And April spent 10 years initially as a prosecutor. She was in court every day defending victims of crime and prosecuting the offenders. But that became draining and really unfulfilling. She always knew she had an entrepreneurial spirit and she really loved the concept of a new franchise opportunity, a kickboxing gym. And April knew right away she could make this gym successful and she was so convinced and committed that she decided to open three of these gyms right off the top. It's what she learned from that experience, including the burnout and exhaustion of being the only employee running these franchises, that it really propelled her to start her consulting business. Now she supports other franchisees in creating their own sustainable success. In fact, that is where the name of the business came from because everybody said, ask April Porter. April's all about investing in herself, and she's a huge advocate for coaching, which of course totally speaks to my heart. We have such a fun and engaging conversation. I really hope you enjoy listening as much as we did chatting. Welcome, April Porter, to the Female Founder Friday podcast. How the heck are you? I'm awesome. Thank you so much for having me. So glad to have you here and have this conversation. It's going to be awesome. I want to yeah. know, I want to know so much more. I mean, I, I know a little bit about your journey, but, you know, tell us about how you got to be a female founder. What did that look like, that path? Uh, well, I started off as a prosecuting attorney uh, for 10 years wow. and I prosecuted criminals who committed crimes um, that included sexual assault, child abuse, and homicides. Jeez Louise. Yeah. So um, I was in trial all the time. Oh. Very good at my job. Loved it. But at the same time, you know, it's heavy. It's a lot of heaviness. And 10 years wow. hit my hit my time where I started to really evaluate what was the next 10 years of my life going to look like and decided that I wanted to do something different for a while. I actually looked at, um, you know, getting a different type of job as an attorney, but I'll just tell you, like the thought of reviewing contracts behind a desk after oh, you've done right. <laughs> this exciting work. Right. I was like, no, I can't do it. So that is when I, um, I, I've always had an entrepreneurial bug. Mm. So I, uh, discovered this kickboxing gym concept that a friend of mine had opened 
across the state in Kansas City. Uh, that's where I grew up. I live in St. Louis now. And it looked so awesome. It didn't exist here in St. Louis. And I said, you know what? I think I could own that and bring it to St. Louis. So I franch I was a franchisee of the concept. And I, right out of the gate, committed to opening three of these things, even though I'd never owned a brick and mortar. Wow. And yeah. So I did that. And um, for three months, I was the only employee. And in this concept, we were responsible for demonstrating the exercises to the clients. Every, we would demonstrate three different exercises per client in a three and a half minute time period all day long. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you must have been in the best shape of your life. I was in the best shape of my life and the most exhausted I have ever been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, so um, it worked though. The, the idea of that worked. Uh, we were profitable in three months and that led me to be able to hire my first employees, which that was the moment that I was like, okay, I'm hiring these employees and I've kind of exhausted everything the franchisor has to teach me, Yeah, but, but I have to open two more of these and I can't be in three places at once. Right. Yeah. So how am I going to do this? And that's when I realized I had to figure out a way to, they figured out a way to duplicate the concept. Yeah. I had to figure out a way to duplicate the internal operations yeah. so that I could have the same success at multiple places. Um, and that's when I came up with um, the ownership cloning system, which is basically a training system for employees that incorporates leadership development as and strategic thinking, as well as training them to do tasks. That way that they could take over the running of the first location and growing the first location while I went and opened the next one. Love it. Yeah. And then that led us to being able to open four locations in less than three years. And we were named to St. Louis's top 50 fastest growing companies three years in a row. And then all the other franchisees were like, what is it that you're doing? Right. So I, I, um, lots of other things happened, but ultimately I just was taking so many calls every week, people asking me for the secret. Yeah. And really the secret was that I had invested in myself. I mean, I, I used all of my strategic thinking um, that I had as an attorney to kind of figure out what the objective was and make the moves I needed to make to reach the objective within my business. But then I reached a point where I realized there's still so much I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. And I found myself an executive coach who helped me fill in those blanks. And it was that combination, you know, that really led me to the epitome of my success in that business. And then we were able to sell in 2020 per our exit strategy, not because we were victims of the pandemic. Right. So we got out in 2020 of that business. And that's when I said, you know what? So many franchisees out there need this gap filled between what the franchisor gives them and all of this, you know, extra know-how that they don't have to be able to scale. So I founded Ask April Porter and the name is indicative of the fact that everyone was asking April yeah. Porter those several years. Um, I founded that in 2020. 
Love it. And that brings us up to here. I love that. Um, what, <laughs> what a great journey. Um, and uh, can I just say ha hallelujah for executive coaching and having, having the presence to say there's things here that I am not, I don't know. Or, or I'm not good. Like it's not, this is not my wheelhouse, right? Not my zone of genius. I need, I, I need that outside perspective. I need someone um, to help me work on me. Love that. Oh, hundred percent. And I, I, coaching is addictive too. Like once you, yeah. once you have a coach and you see the results of having a coach, like, I don't think I'll ever go in my professional life without a coach moving forward. I've always had a coach since yes. I will always have a coach. Olympians have a coach for goodness sake. I mean, Michael Jordan had a coach. Yeah. <laughs> no, for real. I say that. All I know yeah. the biggest paid actors and actresses have coaches, dialect coaches, movement coaches, yeah. all these different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you, if you are, let me just say this. Um, if you are looking to work with a coach, you need to ask them, what kind of work do they do on themselves? What, what kind of, what kinds of things are they working on? If they don't say to you, and I have a coach that I work with, but like bi-weekly run away because coaches, really great coaches know that they constantly need to be doing their own work, their own self-reflection. We were like ketchup and you can't read the label from inside the bottle. We all need someone to hold up a mirror. We need someone to help us be accountable. We need someone to know us well enough to recognize the things that we're not saying out loud, um, you know, to be able to understand that there's things underneath the words. And so I thank you for saying that so boldly because a lot of people, I think, shy away from that, April. You know, I do think, I think you're right. Um, but I also think that those people oftentimes are the people who are looking to us for answers. And it's the people that have kind of walked the journey and are potentially our peers that have figured out that coaching is a necessity, right? We're stri we're still trying to convince <laughs> yeah. the people who haven't made it this far. <laughs> yeah. No, it's the truth. And I hear a lot. So I think you probably appreciate this. There's a lot especially in the entrepreneurial space about you got to scale. You got to get to seven figures. How are you going to get, we'll help you scale your business. Let's scale your business. Is your business ready to scale? How do you, but are you ready to scale? Because what is needed from you as the business owner, when you first start your business, maybe you're a solopreneur, like you were running around doing instruction. You probably went through three pairs of shoes in three months uh, to opening three, you know, three more locations to actually preparing to be able to either exit or sell. Cause that's where many of us get. That is all about you as the individual business owner and your, your mindset, um, and your ability to really embrace that strategic CEO role. So I, I love that. I, I just love that April. Well, it's so true. And <clears throat> there are a lot of there are a lot of people I see because now working in the franchise world, there's franchisors. Those are the owners of a whole brand, right? right? And then there's the franchisees who are the owners of the individual locations within the brand. 
And I see in franchising, just the, the nature of it in and of itself, the franchisor is scaling. They're going to end up having, you know, a hundred locations. And when you have a hundred, then it, it grows even faster because the, the word gets out. Wow. So the real danger that I see happening with franchisors, and this is cautionary for all business owners, is that you could also get into a, a place where your business outgrows you. Yeah. And if your business outgrows you because you haven't, you've been working so much on the business, but you didn't work on yourself. Yeah. Then there's a tipping point. Yeah. And at that tipping point, when the business outgrows you, there becomes a time where you have very limited choices if you want the business to succeed. Mm -hmm. And those choices include selling to somebody else because you are incapable of catching up to where your business is. Yeah. Or dragging your business down with you and ultimately it will close. And you might be saying, well, what about the third option of like investing in myself at that point and catching up to my business? At that point, it's nearly impossible for you to, to, to make the adjustments and changes and evolution that you need to make fast enough before pulling the business back down. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have a, you would have a hell of a pile of work to do. You, yes. You, and you, you it, have, you'd have you to have turn to all of your attention into yourself and working on yourself, which means you need a damn good team set up to be working on the business while you do that. Yeah. So it, it's a, it's like, it's a counterweight, yeah. right? And at that point in time, if you turn that attention to yourself, the, the business isn't getting the attention that got, anyway, it just is a counterweight that ends up being, it's a puzzle that rarely is going to come out as a win for everyone. Yeah, you, you would have to do a lot of work quite quickly in order to make those kinds of shifts you and you would really you would really need to be very strongly invested with your coach and with some other consulting right i mean april you and i we both not just the coaching but also some of the operational pieces i focus a lot on the people and culture pieces which are truly very important as well you'd need to make some pretty big moves pretty quickly in order to salvage uh, at that point so i i love that i mean i i I, 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 uh, I think it's, you know, it's so important because franchisees get in and they, they're really excited about the brand and the business and they can very quickly get underwater if they're not careful. Oh yeah. I mean, that's true of all business owners. It really is. <laughs> well, I often say we don't get into our business to be a leader. We get into our business because we are passionate about a product or a service. And we really, we see, we see the potential, we see the vision well, maybe we see some dollar signs, right? But we really see that this is something that could be really cool. And then suddenly we turn around and maybe we've got, we've got to hire a team or maybe we turn around and holy shit, we've got a team of 20. What do we do with all these people? And none of these people are doing what I'm telling them to do. Why doesn't everybody know what I want done? Right? Yep. Why you aren't they the nail on the head there? Well, and why aren't they as passionate about this business as I am? I hear that quite a bit. Do you hear that wow. as well? Um, not phrased that way. Usually what I hear is they just don't care. Mm. Actually, mm. I will tell you, my franchisor used to tell us at conferences, 
no one will ever care about your business as much as you do. And I was just like, that's crap. No one could ever tell me when I was a prosecutor for 10 years fighting for victims of sexual assault and homicide that I didn't care just as much as the guy who was sitting in the big office and had been elected through the political process. Right. Right. So that's crap. And if you and if you are personally subscribing that layer of apathy to your employees, you're doing them a disservice and you're shooting your business in the foot. You really are. You really are. I'm I'm of that. I mean, I'm of the opinion that you can create workplaces. You can create cultures where people will care deeply about your business and about your clients. And when you care, when you have, when you have employees that care about your clients, your clients are really happy. And when you have happy clients, they bring you more money and they bring in more clients. Like the math is really simple, but (laughs) it's your accountability as the business owner and the leader to really focus on creating that space where they can do their best work and they can really care. They can be invested. You have to create that. That doesn't just magically happen. No. And that's, that's actually one of the first things that I teach franchisees is that when you decided to become a business owner, most people, one of the reasons they go into business ownership is to quote, do something they love. Yeah. Right. So in their minds, when you're sitting there as an employee daydreaming about having the freedom of a business owner, having the wealth of a business owner, all these things that you imagine business ownership is. One of the things you're envisioning is doing something you love, but you're envisioning it as an employee. You're envisioning it as standing at the counter. I always use florists as an example, right? Standing at the counter, making the flower arrangements, making the bouquets, delivering it to a wedding and how happy the bride's going to be. You made her day because of all these wonderful flowers. That's what people are envisioning. And what people don't realize is like, that's literally the job of an employee. When you make that decision to become a business owner, your actual job is growing the business. Yeah. And growing the business looks entirely different. But then I would say that the number one thing you have to be able to do to grow a business is you have to be able to develop other leaders. You have to be a leader who develops other leaders. And so- if that doesn't interest you in any way, shape, or form, go get a job at a flower yeah, sell shop. Sell your business immediately. <laughs> go get a job at a flower shop and make the flowers. <laughs> if that's what's going to fulfill you, do that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said that. I, I love that you, because I think you're right. I think one of the most important jobs that every leader has is to make more leaders. And I do believe that we all have that capability and that leadership starts inside. Leadership is an inside job. Yes, we all have the, every time we open a door for someone, every time we let someone go first in the grocery line, cause they got five items in their arms and they're dying. That's leadership. Leadership happens every day in every moment. It's a choice. So I love that you, you say that, that our job as leaders is to make uh, more leaders. That's brilliant. April. Oh, thank you. Um, we're going to talk about April's leadership style next, cause she's taken my leadership style quiz. And if you want to know what your leadership style is, you want to compare with April's, 
you want to be part of the conversation on Instagram, go and uh, check out the link in the show notes. Go to the website, highvoltageleadership.ca. There's a little button and it says, take the quiz. You can do it right now. It takes just a couple minutes. And not only are you going to learn something about yourself and your leadership, I'm going to send you a couple of my top leadership tips uh, to help you be a more effective leader right away. So, you know, April, tell us, what is your leadership style? I'm a delegator. Love it. What does that do for you? Well, first of all, I don't know that I was always a delegator, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> right. It's part of that evolution, uh, that higher level thinking. And I truly believe that as we, as we do evolve, uh, we see things in such a different perspective. That's such a hard thing to really explain to people when they're just starting out on the coaching journey, right? Is the evolution of perspective change and how that affects your life overall. Um, so I kind of went off there, but, um, (laughs) so for me, a delegation, what that really means is how do I find the right person to give the right responsibilities to so that they can shine and I can be fully supported in my role as the person who should be growing the business. Love it. I love that. Yeah. And in that, I'm going to extrapolate a little, in, in giving the right person the right accountabilities, you are helping grow them as a leader which is enabling you to be more strategic, to be in that CEO headspace uh, and get out of actually running the business and move into working on the business, which I think is so critical. Oh yes, exactly. And it is something where, you know, you cannot, you cannot be a true delegator if you're not also a developer. Yeah. Right. You, you can't be because, I mean, to be a true delegator, like it's not comfortable to hand something off to someone knowing that it's probably not going to get done a hundred percent the way that you would want to do it, but that they're going to learn something from failing at it. Yes. Yes. And people learn, we all learn way more from failing than we do from succeeding. Yeah. And so to be a true delegator, you have to be willing to let people fail. And sometimes you have to set people up for failure, which yeah. sounds terrible, not in a negative way, but in a way of, despite the fact that I know that this is going to stretch you yes, and there's a high chance or a high probability that you're not going to get it right. I'm still going to allow you to do it and take ownership over this. Yeah. And then we're going to work on it together filling the gaps and and learning from the mistakes. I love that. See, to me, that's really leadership is having enough confidence in the people that work for you that you know they have, first of all, the resilience to recover if there's failure. You know that they need to be stretched. You know, right? You know those mistakes. You see them as gifts or opportunities to learn. And you have enough confidence in your own leadership that you can help guide people through those moments. Like, I think that that's when we can really start to shine as a leader is in, you know, that delegation and that comes with support. I, lo- I love that, April. That's just beautiful. 
Yeah. I will say that I think the thing that makes me most proud of my time as a business owner is when my former employees from when I own the gyms, because they contact me and they'll say, you know, you, you were the best boss I ever had. No one ever invested in me the way that you did. I was able to get this job because of these skills that you taught me, you know, and like nothing is more valuable than being able to impact a human on that level, because like that's impacting their livelihood, their relationship building, um, how they can care for their family, the opportunities they can provide for their family, and then right. the opportunities that they can provide for whoever they're serving in their new roles with these new careers. Yeah, I mean, it's such a larger impact than just helping the customers with a product or a service. You know what? I, I think you make such a great point. The ripple effect, the magnitude of the impact that you can have when you really show up as a great, a, a great, and, and you, you didn't use the word, but I heard humble leader. Like, it's not about me. It's about them. Right. Um, I, I love, I love that. Cause you're right. The ripple effect just feeds into our communities. And I was just listening to a report the other day about, you know, things like, um, you know, the impact that having a living wage can have. It's the same idea when people have a living wage, that money stays in the community. It's not like, you know, giving more money to billionaires, that money goes to yachts and foreign countries and beach houses. When, when, so when we lead people in our small businesses, that ripple effect can just be enormous in the places that we care about the most. Yeah. I love that. Um, I want to ask you, because I know you've had an incredible bit like trajectory over the last few years, but I'm sure there's been a few mistakes along the way. Couple, couple mess ups. Tell us, tell us about one of those and what you learned from that April. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, mess ups. Well, let me think about something very specific. Cause I don't want to just give a blanket answer. I mean, to be quite honest, something that comes to mind is popping in my mind, maybe because of this conversation, but before I hired my executive coach, I hired two other coaches and one, I felt like I, I got value for what I paid, but it did not fill the holes that I was hoping that I was thinking it would fill which I'll ex exp expound right. in just a moment. Yeah. And the other, I feel like it just, I, I did not know enough to properly vet the person. And then of course got through with the engagement and feeling like, well, that was a waste of time and money. Yeah, right. That's too bad. So, right. And, and part of it was again, before I found my executive coach, I definitely felt intuitively and also in my day-to-day -day, like activities, I felt this void and I knew that the, the void was this whole place of the, I don't know what I don't know. Uh -huh, yeah. Right. And I was just trying to fill it. And um, so one of the people that I had met was a sales coach and I 
um, was believing at the time that that what what needed to fill that hole was understanding financials better and sales better. Okay. And so I invested in the sales coach and it was great because I, we learned a lot about sales. I, I rolled it out to my team and it actually, I mean, our team had an 85% conversion rate as a team in selling gym membership. So like that's wow. crazy high. Yeah. yeah. It was fantastic. So that was great. But when the engagement was done, guess what? I still felt this big old void of, I don't know what I don't know. Right. So what, when I found my executive coach, it was a leap for me to trust mm -hmm. and to make that investment again, because I felt like I was just throwing darts at the wall. Right. Yeah. I like, is this going to be the thing that really fills the void? And we had, he had had me take a very detailed assessment and he talked about that in our consultation. And then I said, okay, I'll try it. He was very kind to me. He even gave me a discount and said, you know, you pay, you can pay full amount when you feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it was one session that I had with him one. And because it was about me. Right. And that session was about my growth and my perspective and my, where I felt like that I, I was unworthy or not enough or lacking. And then, uh, but all in like business, right. Cause I knew there was this void. So that was making me feel self-conscious about not knowing enough, Yeah. but all, but the whole session was, was just addressing all these things. And it was at the end of the session where I said, I cannot, I cannot pay you less than your full price, even though it scares me. Yeah. The value that I was like, like I was, I had cried in that session and I was just like, I now see that what I need is someone like helping me evolve. Yes. Not the next shiny tactic to put yeah. into my business. And that, that, I mean, that paid me back tenfold. Okay. If you are listening to this, what April just said is absolute genius when it comes to figuring out who is the right coach for me. And the most important thing that she just said there is that the coach she worked with, it was all about her, not about the coach. And in so much of what we see online, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok right now, it's about the coach. It's about the coach in the, on the private jet. It's about the coach holding dollar bills. It's about my program. And I made seven, I did this and I did that. And I did the other thing. That's not what you're looking for. You're looking for a coach who is absolutely parking all of what they desire and what they need in service of you and what's going to help you grow and what's going to help you uncover your own brilliance. Cause you said it, April, you felt like you didn't, you didn't know enough. You didn't have enough. You weren't enough. And a real coach will help you understand that you do have, and you are enough that you just articulated so beautifully is the essence of coaching. And it is what is so desperately missing from the marketplace. So you just articulated it absolutely beautifully. Thank you. Well, thank you. And something you said sparked another little tip in my mind, which is, you know, when you see people out there 
saying I did this, I did that. Like the name of my company is Ask April Porter. And sometimes my copywriters and social media people, you know, they're putting I in things. And it makes sense because the name of my company is yeah. Ask April Porter. Right? Yeah. I, I, I. I struggle with that. I'm always using we and our mm -hmm. in everything because even though the name on the, the wall, the name on the yeah, door, right? however you want to phrase it, <laughs> uh, is April Porter. Like I, I can't do this on my own, no. right? My team is what makes it possible for us to reach and help as many people as we help. And they support our clients with their whole hearts, just as much as I do. So it's, it's a team effort. And so the tip I have is do a little self-check. If you find yourself saying, I did this, I made this, I won this award. I, I did this. You're looking at your business in an egocentric way subconsciously and your team is picking up on that. Yeah. And if you want to develop your team, one of the very first things you can do is just start using the words we and our and feeling into that and making yourself more comfortable with, with personally having a team outlook that, that naturally is going to lead to you embracing the other members of your team and starting to develop them. I love that. That really does speak back to that being humble piece. Like it might be your business. You might own it. You might be the face of it, the voice of it, the brand. You may have created the brand, but ultimately it is a we, it is a group effort. And if you want your people to be as invested in that business as you are, you better start talking about it. Like it's ours. Like we all own it. We all invest in it because they do. People right. show up and they invest in your business every day. Now you pay them, but if you want them to give their very best, they need to feel like they have ownership. They have power. They have something extra to give. Oh, April, I could talk to you about this all afternoon. You've said some really brilliant things and offered this audience a real insight particularly into why, you know, it is so important to have a coach and what you need to think about as you look to explore and understand what the right coach is for you. That's been incredibly powerful. Thank you so much for sharing your journey today. Uh, I'm, I really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you having me. I always love the opportunity to, you know, spread more knowledge and love, love for business, love wow. for self-investment, all those things. So, oh, Brilliant. Thank you so much, April. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. I sure hope you enjoyed listening as much as I did hosting this conversation. And if you did enjoy today's episode, would you do me a favor? Would you give the episode a five-star review and share it with all of your friends? I would really appreciate that. I've got a goal to impact a thousand female founders. And with your help, we can really amplify this message. Thanks again for being a part of the show. And don't forget to connect with me and all of my guests on Instagram at High Volt Leadership. We'll see you next Friday.